0: In our internet world of picture-perfect mummy bloggers, Facebook updates about how cute our toddler's latest saying was, and family fun photos on Instagram, there's a lot of pressure to be the perfect mum. But what if all the glamour could become the ruin of your marriage? Today's episode is about prioritising marriage over parenting. Welcome to the Only You Forever Podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your
1: hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey everybody, this is episode number two, and we are going to be talking about priorities related to marriage and parenting. I think this is going to be a challenging and an interesting episode, Verlinda. I think so. So the title comes from Salvador Minuchin. He's known as the father of family systems therapy, and I'm pretty sure it's from him actually. I should just clarify that I'm pulling this one from my memory.
0: Oh, maybe you should look that up and we'll stick it in the show notes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should. But from what I recall, there's this situation where a family comes in for therapy and they're not doing well as a family. And he asks a few questions, kind of sorts it out, and he turns to the mom and he says, hey... When did you divorce your husband and marry the kids? So the husband was feeling left out and that's kind of where the the dysfunction in the family started is when she totally turned away from her relationship with him and was completely child oriented. So there's a lot of pressure in our day and age. I think this is very relevant to where we're at today, just by virtue of the things that we post on Facebook and on Pinterest and stuff like that, that really promotes the idea of the perfect mummy.
0: Yeah. Like the craft ideas and snack ideas and room ideas and clothes ideas and Mm -hmm. on and on and on.
1: Right. And nobody's posting a picture of a messy bedroom or kids with spaghetti on their face unless like it's so much that it's cute.
0: That's cute. Yeah. You
1: know what I mean? So the the reality of life is not there. And I also saw an interesting study lately that said the number one emotion triggered by Facebook is envy. Wow. Yeah. So there's something about these platforms that really promote the idea of us projecting our idealized self and then create this response from others that's jealous and that, you know, you can get into competition, become very child oriented. You can see how this whole thing just kind of self-perpetuates, right?
0: Yeah. There's been a lot of articles lately about comparing yourself to other moms and envying and yeah. and then being critical right? because you don't want them to be that good.
1: Yeah. yeah. So you had a great piece of advice at your baby shower.
0: I did. And, um, you know, everybody had to write a piece of advice on a card and I got to read them all. And one of them said, you were a wife before you were a mother. Don't forget that. And then another piece of great advice we received, and this is more towards husband, Caleb.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so it was the best gift you can give your children is to love their mother. I don't know where that came from.
0: But I think it sounds good.
1: It's good stuff. Yeah. So both points highlight the fact that mom and dad need to stay together emotionally as a husband and wife, as well as adjusting to and adopting their new parenting role.
0: Absolutely. So it's not like we're neglecting our kids, but our marriage comes first.
1: Right. So I came across an interesting quote in Gospel-Powered Parenting by William Farley. Uh, We'll put a link to that book in the show notes. you. It's a great book. It points out the risk of child idolatry in our culture. And he says the Puritans actually warned against loving our children too much.
0: Well, you don't hear that nowadays.
1: No, you don't. And we're just going to unpack this idea a little bit together. But Farley says we need to love God more than our children. And that ultimately is better for the kids as well. So we're not trying to turn people away from children or say that children are bad or anything like that. We have three beautiful daughters that we love deeply ourselves. But it's about keeping things sort of in the right order, the right priority.
0: Okay, well, let's go back for a second here before we have kids. I think you found some research on that, Caleb.
1: Yeah, so I found in the Journal of Family Psychology a study by O'Brien and Peyton in 2002. And I'll give you the technical language first, and then we'll distill it, make it easier. A higher perceived difficulty with parenting was related to, to lower levels of initial marital intimacy. And what that's saying is you got to make sure that the love is strong before you start the parenting. So the yeah. initial marital intimacy, so if that initial closeness at the start of the marriage is low, we perceive the parenting to be more difficult.
0: Right. If there's already stress there, throwing a baby into the mix is going to increase the stress. Absolutely. It's not this baby will save the marriage
1: trick. I think that's one of the riskiest things that we can do is is try to you know create a child together so that that can bring us together. That's a very, very risky strategy. Yeah. So we want to start working on our marriage and then keep working on it when we are married. And part of what we're going to uncover here is we can give more to our kids through good husbanding or good wifing, if I can make those words up, than through good parenting. Because the second flows, like the parenting, flows most effectively from a solid foundation in the marriage. Now, that idea was reinforced in another study I found by Errol and Berman in 1995. They did a meta-analysis of 68 studies. So instead of doing one study, their study was about 68 other research studies. Okay? Oh, okay. Yep. And they looked at the relationships between marital quality and parenting, and they came to two conclusions. First thing is that there's what they call a spillover effect. So a positive marital relationship equals a positive parenting relationship. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. Second was that parents invest more deeply in their children when there are problems in the marriage. So they Ah. turn from each other when they have problems Mm -hmm. and they invest more deeply in the children. So it becomes a distraction to take me away from the pain, the problems, the concerns I have with my relationship with you.
0: Right. I'm going to focus on somewhere that's more comfortable, more safe.
1: Right. So the point there is that compensating for problems in the marriage by turning to the kids is the wrong approach. Fair enough? Absolutely. Now, in the scriptures, what's interesting to note is that the relationship that God chose to symbolize his love for the church is that of marriage. Not parenting. Right. It's the part that's between the husband and wife. So loving our spouse well preaches the gospel to our kids and to others. You get that connection? That's interesting. You get that connection there?
0: Yeah. Like we're showing a husband and wife in a marriage are showing like the love of Christ right for his people.
1: Right. Not the parents for the children, but the husband to the wife. Yeah. And so if we can do a really good job of that, it's natural to our created humanity to love our children, but the part that God emphasizes is the marital love. And our children then become attracted to God in his love seen in the gospel by virtue of what they see in my love for you.
0: Kind of like the no man has seen God at any time. Yes. Therefore love one another.
1: Right. So by our love to each other, we express fully what God has intended in the gospel message, and then that has a a great positive impact on the children.
0: And how they experience God, even.
1: Indeed. Absolutely. Yeah. Neat. So this idea that the marital love should be primary carries through, in other studies I found, uh, to parenting in that sort of five-, six-year-old range when people go to school. So the Journal of Family and Psychology published a study in 2004 that said that school teachers' perception— of children's social adjustment as they transition from home to school correlated to parents who had an emotionally intimate relationship.
0: So what you're saying is the kids adjust to school better when mom and dad are in love.
1: Absolutely. That's exactly what it's saying. So just to kind of clinch that point, I got another one. There's, I was surprised at how much research there was in that I was not expecting to see this many things supporting this idea. Yeah. But there has been a lot of, of looking into this. In the Handbook of Parenting, it's a book I found... That is, again, it's kind of pulling together a bunch of studies. So their fourth volume called Social Conditions and Applied Parenting, they review a whole bunch of studies again about parenting. Yeah. And they conclude that happily married parents, and I'm reading here, are more sensitive, responsive, warm, and affectionate toward their children. The marital relationship appears to serve as a primary source of support for parenting. And they also stated That having skills and knowledge is not sufficient for competent parenting if marital tensions and conflict undermine the co-parenting alliance.
0: So we can read as many parenting books as we want and have the routine perfect, but our kids are going to be more adjusted and more stable and more content and happy if I love my husband.
1: There's more resilience. Yes, there's more resilience in the family if there's resilience in the marriage.
0: Makes sense.
1: Yeah, it's pretty neat stuff.
0: I think we need to speak to fathers and mothers of newborns for a minute here, especially if it's the first child. You know, all of the child rearing is a process of increasing independence. We go from the womb to the outside world. We go from breastfeeding to self-feeding, diapers to potty train, training wheels to no training wheels, allowance to the first job or home to school or your career, and different levels of parent involvement all the way through. Right. So I'd say dad and mom are most involved with the first baby. That's, that's all they have to concentrate on. That's fine. That's okay. Yeah. yeah, But just make sure that as a couple, you have small ways of staying connected, mm-hmm. of supporting each other. I mean, obviously, if you have a natural birth, the doctors don't recommend that you have sex within the first six weeks. Mm-hmm. But you still need to be respecting your marriage bond and staying intimate in other ways.
1: Right. So I always get a, a bit of a kick out of the new young fathers at at work. And you can see just how much, like, it upsets their lives, and they come in, they got bags under their eyes and they're bloodshot. And I'm sure the mums are at home and they're working just as hard, if not harder. Yeah. And and you can really see it's a huge adjustment to go to having that first baby.
0: Right. So, so instead of being like the center of her attention, all of a sudden I have to share this. That's what the husband might be thinking.
1: So the husband's he's kind of been ousted as the number one cockadoodle do. And I think we need to be sympathetic towards that.
0: Absolutely, it's a change, right?
1: It is a change, and and the little baby. You know, the husband's going to survive. The little baby's not without mom. Right. And dad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. with Or without that attention.
1: Yeah. They're very needy. They're very dependent. It's great. It's a beautiful thing. And it, there's so much bonding that goes on there with the caregivers, the parents, right? So yeah. there's a wonderful thing that's happening. But somehow through all of that needs to be this awareness that you were a wife before you were a mother. You were a husband before you were a father. Yeah. And the best thing that you can do for that little baby in the long run as it grows, matures into a child, a young adolescent, and then you eventually launch them as a young adult is for you to be absolutely together as a couple in that marriage bond. So you recognize sort of the invasion of, of neediness and and the baby, but there's that adjusting and that little bit of staying connected all the way through. And then as the baby comes a little bit more independent, sleeps through the night or whatever the case might be, or is old enough for a babysitter, you can start going on dates and you're, you're working on your marriage all the time, all the way through here.
0: Yeah. So how about some, you know, concrete suggestions or ideas, how to accomplish this.
1: Okay. Yeah, we got a a little list of things here we can bust through just for some ideas. One that you had mentioned, Verlinda, is even if you're in the middle of a book or you're doing something like reading a book to the kids, when the husband comes in the door, stop, get up, greet each other. So keeping that priority of staying connected, the rituals of emotional connection that, that happen when you first come home.
0: Yeah. And what I found really neat with this in our family was the girls, because of this, used to get so excited when you came home. Yeah, and, you know, and then they very
1: gratifying for me as a father, too.
0: Then they'd all run to the door and want to yeah. give you a kiss, right? Yeah,
1: I yeah, know that was a wonderful thing.
0: Yeah. And another suggestion, if you're talking, like as a husband and wife, don't let the kids interrupt. You know, mm-hmm. I know they come, mommy, 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 mommy. But no, we're talking, you're going to have to wait. And not just the first time they call you, it means every time until you're done their conversation. And they'll learn mm-hmm. that, you know, when I say mommy and mommy says, no, you'll have to wait. But they have to wait. It's not going to kill them. But if you say, wait, and then the next time, oh, it's okay, what do you want? Then the husband's been ousted again, mm-hmm. and your kids have won.
1: Mm-hmm. Indeed. Planning date nights is another good one. We also need to adjust our the way we train our children and raise them so that they are able to respect our boundaries as parents as well. So you need to lock the bedroom door so you can be physically intimate, have yeah. sex together. They need to know that there's times that they can't interrupt you. Yeah. Even though you're still there for them, it doesn't hurt them to know that. They know you're there.
0: Right. Or once you've put them to bed, you need to stay in bed because this is mommy and daddy's time now.
1: Yeah, we have time together. Yeah. Uh, Even as simple as putting a lock on your bedroom door, scheduling time in your day, related to that, Verlinda, like uh, for mom and dad to be together, alone.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know one girl and they put kind of a little stereo thing outside their kids' bedroom doors. Mm -hmm. And after they put the kids to bed, they put music on, Mm -hmm. obviously calming, quiet music. But when that music's on, the kids aren't allowed to come out and that's mommy and daddy's time to talk.
1: Time to be together, yeah. Yeah. One thing I like to do for Verlinda too is to make her special things. So just to make her a, a coffee, a latte or something like that, sprinkle a little heart-shaped thing on top of the, the foam on the mug there. and, and Caleb's
0: actually a big romantic nice. and doing special things like this.
1: Right. So there's little things that we can do through the course of our daily interaction, just making a meal, making a coffee or whatever. It says, I love you and sends that little signal in, in the middle of all the basicness of, of raising children.
0: Yeah. And do you know what? Our kids see that. Yeah. And love it. And you know, I... Funny enough, I just had a girl at church mention it today that, oh, you know, your husband makes you little coffees with hearts on the top. And that was what she saw that a year ago, maybe, Mm. but it made an impression.
1: Mm -hmm. Did you post that on Facebook? Probably. (laughs) Mm, Okay. How about PDAs?
0: Our Uh, kids have a love-hate relationship with these.
1: Public displays of affection, or even at home. So I think it's good to actually kiss in front of the kids, to hug, hold hands, all that good, good stuff.
0: Yeah. And they hate it, but... They actually want to see it at the same time.
1: Right. So they're, ooh yuck, but they're watching it. And at the same time, they're very, excuse me, they're very attuned to when we have difficulties. Like if there's a little bit of an edginess in our conversation, all of a sudden they're like, eyes are wide open and they're right there.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So keep the fighting away from the kids. Uh, That's your business between each other. Sometimes we have to tell the kids it's mom and dad's turn for a cuddle. And you guys have to take a number. You can wait
0: yeah and do you know what that's kind of hard on the kids they have their little jealousy thing and they want mm-hmm. to butt in there mm-hmm. but i mean assuming you're going to cuddle your kids at other times yep. if you never cuddle your kid that that's a problem
1: yeah we're not talking about not loving your children we're talking about
0: prioritizing being,
1: yeah marriage first <laughs> yeah we uh play together laugh together flirt together
0: chase each other around the house
1: preferably not with a frying pan <laughs> that scares me as well as the children
0: yeah because i do that often yeah yeah absolutely well, hopefully some of those suggestions will help you out a little bit and uh, just give you some opportunities to prioritize your marriage in your life. So let's head over to our question segment now. And now for our Q&A section. Remember, if you'd like to ask us a question, you can email it to questions
1: at com, or please leave us a voicemail at com slash questions.
0: This question comes in from Sandra. She says, I've been married for several months now and my husband has been acting differently. What do I do? All right. Well, I've been married for the past six months. Everything had been great until just a month ago. He gets easily annoyed or so he claims. We are currently very stressed about money like we have never been before. So I'm thinking that is a factor in all of this. He is very cold lately and doesn't even want to spend time with me. I asked him what was wrong and all he says is that he is tired. I must note he works one full-time job and gets home and does nothing, while I, on the other hand, have two jobs, a full-time job and a part-time job, putting in at least a good 120 hours every two weeks. I always try spending as much time as I can with him, but he it seems he doesn't want the same. Just yesterday, he came home happy, telling me he is getting a promotion, and that he can finally get me out of working. It confuses me that he is so cold, yet it seems he cares. I don't know what to do and make him feel in love with me again and want to spend time with me again. By the way, his fave hobby is video games, and I've already tried playing games with him and that didn't work out. That's a good question, Sandra. Sounds like it's a little bit of a rocky time for you.
1: Yeah, there's a lot in here, Sandra, and uh, we're not going to be able to unpack all this. But I think there are some things that we can give you to hopefully help you and guide you a little bit, as well as you've given us some ideas for future topics for our podcast here too.
0: So finance is a huge thing, and it sounds like there's a lot of stress from that. So you're feeling the emotional withdrawal, and he's just trying to survive and pull you all through. And likely the video games, as much as they might be irritating for you, they're an escape for him as well.
1: It just takes him a little bit away from the pressure of life. We want to understand there are times and there are different ways to relax and take a break, which is good. If they're disrupting your relationship or they become problematic in terms of how long they're going on for, then they themselves actually do become an issue.
0: Yeah, So they can be
1: very addictive and that that could be a concern. That's his issue, though, that he has to face and to deal with. But the first thing I want to encourage you to do, Sandra, is to believe in your marriage and the power of love uh, for a couple to hold together through times that are tough. And what I would like to encourage you to is for both of you to learn to express your feelings. So this might be a subject of conversation between the two of you. That'd be a good idea to talk about that. It could be a new thing. It could likely be harder for your husband than yourself. Often men we're not raised in our families to express our feelings. And so he's going to have a little harder work to do there if there's something he wants to learn. And what this is going to do, it's going to help you turn towards each other and open up instead of shutting down. So he is, I see a, a man here who is desperately wanting to survive to do the best for you that he can do. It's not working well right now. He's not, he doesn't feel other than this promotion, he doesn't feel like he's moving towards that. So he's. He's got his head down. He's just trying his best. But to you, that looks like emotional withdrawal. Yeah. So you're feeling alone. Yeah. And I see that. I see that in your question. So try to find ways to be together and to be with each other in this.
0: Yeah. Um, Another thing, Sandra, I'd suggest coming from a wife point of view, a marriage isn't a 50-50 thing. Like you've got to give 100% or it's not going to work. You can't say, I've done this much, it's up to him to do the rest. Because then you kind of turn into the martyr thing and you start to resent and have contempt. As much as it's hard when you're not getting the emotional feedback that you want, you need to give it everything and not resent, not be the martyr that you're doing more than he is.
1: Yeah. There's kind of a balance there. Like You don't want to go off complaining to your girlfriends that about your situation at home and yada, yada, you want to turn toward each other and work together on this. At the same time, we don't want Sandra to become over-functioning, it's where she's working so hard that it's kind of driving him away and he's experiencing nagging. Yes. So it's more like you're, you're engaging with an invitation than with a, a rescue. Yes. Fair enough?
0: Yeah. And I mean, it could be that this guy, you know, is a lazy bum and is sitting on the couch playing video games when he should be doing the dishes. I mean, we don't know. We can't see into Sandra's life just from this question.
1: No, but we're going to, she hasn't mentioned that, so I think we can give him the benefit of the doubt. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Learn to identify your feelings.
1: Yep. If you can reframe his coldness as him shut down trying to survive and protect you both, that might give you a spot for empathy and it might give you a place to connect with him, help him to realize what he's doing, that he's trying so hard, he's doing his best, but to you, you're feeling left out.
0: Right. And I think it was really good what you mentioned, that he came home happy, telling me he's getting a promotion, that he can finally get me out of working. So right there... You even identified it. Sometimes he's so cold, yet it seems he cares. Mm -hmm. So try and see those little things as he cares. And he's doing this for us Mm -hmm. rather than see the cold part and kind Mm -hmm. of dwell on the negative.
1: Good. That's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at onlyyouforever.com slash two. Remember, we're here to help build thriving, passionate marriages. So send us your marriage questions into questions at onlyyouforever.com. Thank you for listening to the OnlyYouForever.com
0: podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at OnlyYouForever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.